Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. This is Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? I'm still doing good, Shad. I'm feeling ornery tonight. Feeling ornery? <laughs> it might be because of the crappy, crappy TV we watched for this episode. I could totally see that happening. We want to thank all of you all for joining us. Let's get our shout-outs out there. The first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code 4CORNERSPODCAST. That's the number 4, capital C and quarters, capital P and podcast. Save 10% off your order. The other shout-out, we throw it over to Matt. Matt. Uh, yeah, that'd be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, I'm sure Orlando Cologne could adapt to the British round system if he ever had to. But uh, <laughs> thankfully, I don't think he ever has. So, uh, All righty. But he's a good technical worker, so maybe he would actually adapt quite well. Yes. Hey, uh, before we before we get to before we get to more American Wrestling Federation, hey Matt, did you know that you can find um, a lot of places are sold out now, but some Walgreens are getting some of the GI Joe Legends figures. I know Cobra Commander has been cited at numerous um, Walgreens. I did not. I did not know that. I actually have like I never really have a reason to go into a Walgreens, so it's maybe a- I'm gonna have to start. They had some mm-hmm. WWE elites when I was looking to see if they had a Cobra Commander. Interesting. I may have to actually pop into local Walgreens to see what they got. Yeah. It's a weird uh, oh, you Walgreens. know what? I'll try. I'll try and get a chance to go over to our Walgreens and look for you guys. How's that sound? I didn't. I just. I want Cobra Commander. I don't want like. I don't want to get so deep into. Um, I don't want to get, I don't want to get, I don't have the room for figures, and that's really a can of worm, and it's really, like, expensive now. I just want Cobra Commander because he looks awesome. Fair enough. Oh, it's a, it's definitely, like, a rabbit hole you can find yourself going down. <laughs> and it's all, like, $20 a pop now. Like, that's, that's what's hard with it. Sure. All it's right. Such a, it's such a, it's such a scam, though, because it's so collector-based, like. Mm-hmm. You, you're lucky, like, even with, like, the WWE elites, like, you're lucky if you can find one or two, and then you're, like, you're wheeling and dealing for the rest of it. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, I, when I was a kid, I collected, and I really stopped, like, you know, like, many, many years ago until I kind of picked it up now. But I remember, like, you would find, it, it used to be, like, if they are going to release, like, uh, let's say, like, six figures in a wave. Like they would release the six figures, and it may be like there would be like a, a a variant of one of the figures, like a color swap or something like that, and that was the quote unquote chase. And it used to be like, well, you can find the the like the six in the wave, like or you might find easily. five, and like you have to struggle to get that last one. Yeah, but nowadays it's like you know, it's like multiple ones are difficult. I've seen I've seen one wave like. The, the most one of the most recent ones for the WWE like I've I saw them all 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 fit all like six figures in that wave together once and since then I've seen I've seen them like at various points but like two two out of the six are like you can't ever find them you, yeah I saw them in the store a couple times but then like they disappeared which it's like it's it's not it's difficult I mean for me it's just I'm trying to find them for myself so it's fine but i know uh like friend of the show christy petrillo like he's trying to get them all for his his son so he does kind of have to do like some wheeling and dealing like he he has to kind of kind of contact people 
see if they can get on the figures or he tries to like trade stuff with them it's 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 like a complicated mess yeah he um he he had me clean out um that place of all their damaged cobra troopers for like a friend of his that wants to display them mm. but i guess i made his weekend but he he also told me like with the wwe elites he'll take anything i find there too so it, it, for the because it's been mentioned if, if anyone's listening i found like the Kerber Troopers on Overstock Place, and I flipped them for a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I paid $10 a piece of them, which wasn't even retail, and then I turned around and sold them for $75 a piece. And I was still cutting people of deals. Like, people were, like, happy to give that to me because I was not charging them eBay prices. I'm, I'm going to have to start looking at the overstock places around here and see I, if I can get in on this hot you know, market. You know, cause we go to this one and like what it is like is they buy overstock pallets from like target and Walmart. So like we've gone in there and we got like, my wife got it like a $200 couch for like $80 once. And we've gotten good deals on that. And I, what is the name of the store? It's just bargains glory. It's just like a local place. Like it's just, huh. it's, it's probably someone that flips things and they go to like the auctions or, or they go to the stores and they buy their overstock pallets and they just made a business out of it. But, um, so is it kind of like a, like a home goods? It's whatever they can uh, get. Like, like you go. Cause so essentially what happens is they, they're open from Friday to Sunday and we essentially go, we usually go Friday or Saturday, and sometimes we go back on Sunday because you never know what they're going to have. Their stock changes all the time when they restock. You don't know what they got that week. Like they might, you might go in one week and they might have like a kayak. You might go in and they might have like a couch you really like. Like you, you just don't know. It's whatever they happen to, to get with whatever with that with whatever they're buying. So. I just happened to go in this week and they just had a bunch of Cobra, like they had like 20 Cobra Troopers sitting there. Like a lot of the boxes were super damaged. Mm -hmm. So I I picked out the good ones and just resold those. But like they have a bunch of like Funko Pops. Like that's how I can tell like the Star Wars merchandise is like, um, is like, has been a flop recently because this place is just choking on (laughs) Star Wars product. I I see that at my local Ollie's a lot. Yeah. Is that they've got a lot of that on the shelf. So Family Dollars got. No, Dollar Tree. It's it's so bad it's gotten to Dollar Tree that they oh, have wow. Star Wars stuff. So anyway, but, but yeah, it's just a little podunk place. Like it, it's really hard to park in. They're just like you wouldn't even know it was there unless like you went in, and they just have whatever they happen to buy that week. So sometimes you know you might be able to get like a nice plate set for half off, or like hey, you need some blinds for the house. Like they've probably got some that they got in overstock. Like that's pretty much what it is. Hmm. Well, like I said, I've got I've got a couple that are near me that I may go stick my head in, but um, that's that's fun in the in the realm of of resale and flipping, I guess. Yeah. All right. So last week we did episode one of the AWF, and we were uh, underwhelmed. Is that a fair? Less than thrilled. Well, guess what? Now we're going into episode two of the AWF. We've got Terry Taylor and uh, Mitch Karn. Mitch Karsh. 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 Yeah, got them back. And um, 
interestingly, this this show actually starts with one of the teased things from last week. The opening match is Ronnie Vegas versus Johnny Gunn. And I know last week uh, we pointed out that Johnny Gunn was uh, Tom Brandy or Salvatore Sincere or whatever. I, it, I didn't figure that out until basically the end of this match. And um, that's... This is a match that existed in the universe of matches, is what you want to say? It is. The most notable thing about this match is the fact that Johnny Gunn screws up and damn near kills Ronnie Vegas with an under double underhook sit out power bomb for a finish. I can't even remember what they called it. They had a they had a name for it. Did but, you know, I was watching this and they did a really bad job on this show of like getting the jobbers' names out there like sometimes like they did okay with it and other times you might have like blinked for half a second and you don't know the name of the jobber the oh yeah did on the i had to look up results to actually get the names of a lot of these guys yeah the first show i didn't have to but this show like i, I it was a real struggle they had them in the uh, uh the, the little pre-match placards which speaks to their production values again but um they were going by kind of quick um, the neck, yeah, Johnny Gunn versus Ronnie Vegas is unremarkable except for the finish, uh, which I don't know. Maybe that's a good description of Johnny Gunn in general, because I don't, I don't remember him doing like hardly anything. I think he's at- most notable for stealing the Patriots gimmick um, than anything he actually did in a wrestling ring. Do y'all remember this was a, this was they had a brief. Tom Sink, Johnny Gunn tag team in WCW. And it's memorable because I feel like on one of the Clash of the Champions, I want to say it was Clash, they did a whole like weird vignette where they were going into like a men's clothing store. And it's it's supposed to be like they're like they're they're getting like nice clothes or something because they're they're forming this tag team. And they have a like a a, a young woman who's basically like the shopkeep and i think it's supposed to be like oh she finds them like so attractive they're supposed to be like these these heartthrobs but there's there's all this like weird homoerotic undertones to it (laughs) it's not quite as weird as like um what was the the, was it the fabulous ones yes stan Stan lane and steve kern it's not like as weird but it's pretty weird (laughs) it was weird (laughs) did anyone does anyone out there remember this I swear uh, to God, this happened. This was this would have probably this would have been a long time ago. This maybe like 90s. I'll go I'll go find that clash and see if I see it. Yeah, I, think it a, I think it was a clash. I, it could have been it could have been somewhere else, but I, I feel like it was a clash. Uh, but then they so they had the team, and then I think they immediately like when they debuted them, they had them I think jobbing to like the Wrecking Crew, which they never did anything with in WCW. No, they had them under masks, didn't they? Who, the Wrecking Crew? Yeah. No, there was like Al Green and some other schlub. Oh, I was I thought you were talking about um Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos. Oh no, no. That's the destruction crew, my bad. No, I was just you know what? I was just for some reason I was just looking at Al Green results. I think because I saw I was reminded that Kevin Nash is a blaster master, so I was trying to see who the other blaster master was, and that took me down a weird Al Green um 
Al Green rabbit hole the other day. Yeah, I would qualify that as a weird rabbit hole to be going down. Was Al Green the dog in WCW? Yes. Yep. Oh, yes, God. he was. Here, I'm going to make it even worse for you. I don't Al I remember Green, the bathroom thing, so don't don't bring it up. No, that's not not what I was talking about. Al Green was the first challenger to Goldberg after Goldberg won the heavyweight title. Nash was on commentary for it, talking about how he used to tag with Al Green. And all, the only thing I can think through this whole thing is the first challenger to Goldberg after winning the heavyweight title is some guy I've never heard of. What are you guys doing? I mean, um, Al Green wasn't terrible. He wasn't like Roadblock. But why was he in that spot? You know? I don't know. That's 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 where I got stuck what on. Anyway. The, what was the first name of the fake Fuller jobber in WCW? The fake what jobber? The guy that had like Fuller and it started his first name started with an R, so he was like a fake like stud. Robert Steve. Fuller. Was it, was it Ron Fuller? Ron Yeah. It wasn't Robert yeah, I think it was Ron Fuller. He was like this big, swarthy guy, dark hair, beard. Yeah, he team up with Roadblock sometimes. Yes. Ye- Let me look this up because I, I want to make sure I'm getting it right. Oh, no, it's okay. Ron Fuller. Yep. I there there were just there's some there's a lot of. Wait, is that right? That doesn't sound right. No, Ron. I, let me look because I um. Was it Rick Fuller? Rick Fuller, maybe. Yes, the, yes. Because yes, Ron yes. Fuller, Ron Fuller is a real. Is a Isn't real Ron player. Fuller actually like related to Robert? Rob his, Fuller, yeah. Yeah, it's his brother. Yeah, Rick Fuller. Yeah, That's, Rick Fuller. That is exactly who I thought it was. Man, we there's there's gonna come a point where we just have to like do a show like I want to talk like about Doc Dean and you know Chip Mitten and. Um, Any other number of them from the Saturday night shows? Or uh, what was it, Chad Fortune? Remember when they did that stupid, um, oh, what were they called? Where they would come out in like the NASCAR uniforms and it was like Dale Torborg and uh, oh, yeah. Chad Fortune. What was it, like the pit crew? Yes, the pit crew, that was it. Because then Dale Torborg became the demon even though Brian Adams was like the first demon. I think Adams didn't want to do it, though. Yeah, because the only thing I remember about the demon and the only entertaining thing that ever happened with the demon was Norman Smiley, like, falling into his <laughs> tomb or whatever and coming out as, like, mm-hmm. screaming Demon Smiley on, a, like, a thunder or something. That was on a pay-per-view, wasn't it? No, I think it was just, like, a thunder or something. Well, it, whatever. That that was actually really funny. Yeah, and I, I was I was also watching... Some of the Blue Bloods vignettes. Did, did I send you the one where, like, Regal takes Bobby Eaton to, like, the restaurant and, like, the waiter offers to throw him out? <laughs> and then, like, Eaton's, like, using, like, his, like, you know, the, 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 you know, the napkin for his lap to, like, to, like, wipe his ears out and stuff. And he's just eating, like, a total pig and it's hilarious. You might have. I know we talked about it at one point. Yeah. Those are really great. But, so, anyway, um, Johnny Gunn. Uh, yeah, Johnny Gunn just about kills the poor guy he's working with, and we go to the next match. I think he was an ECW tag team champion with Tommy Dreamer at some point, like in '94 or '95. Really? Maybe '93. Okay. 
How strange. Well, there's a, there's a weird um, what is that match? Because ninety three ECW is really weird. Like, do you know Tito Santana was like the ECW champion, like when it was still Eastern Championship Wrestling, and there's like a Tito Santana and like Stan Hansen versus like Shane Douglas and like Eddie Gilbert or like some weird match like that. Listen, anything you say about did you know about early ECW? My answer is always going to be no. I do not know. It's you know I've been watching it and it's fascinating because like it starts out as this like pissant like indie promotion that just got like a TV show on like some Philly station and like twenty people are in the crowd and like three months later they that same arena they're using is full of people like it's just fascinating to see like how quickly it it like. It like started pulling crowds. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I'm gonna move us on to the next match. Yeah, it's fine. You, Jimmy V. And by the way, it's J I M I E, and then a capital V. Yeah. I, don't I, know. I had to double check that because it was such a butchered spelling of Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> Versus Sheik Adnan's new charge. Hercules. So I had to Google some pictures of Hercules from this time period because I did not believe that this was Hercules Hernandez at first. Yep. Because he is rocking, like, he is rocking the pedo stash for this. <laughs> yep. He does some stuff in this match that just... By the way, is this... Is working for AWF how Billy Silverman got hired as a ref in WCW? Maybe. Because there, there he is in this match. Uh, Billy Silverman right there. Billy Silverman is, is – is, he doesn't look like any other referee I've ever seen. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but you, you notice him. Um, so Herc does this like weird reverse face-first chokeslam thing, which definitely looks like it's not fun to take. And then somewhere in the course of the match, he does um, – he shoots the kid off and goes to do this clothesline and hits the kid with his bicep right in the crown of his head. And I had to pause because I was just cringing at how bad that had – how bad that had to be because that had to be terrible Hey, well, let's, let's defend Hercules at least – he didn't break his arm at one point and is using the metal plate in his arm to <laughs> forearm them in the head. Like a certain um, other wrestler that will remain nameless. A certain narcissistic wrestler? Yes. Which is the best gimmick um, ever as far as like dumb things that like people would have – that could feasibly like be true. Mm. Did you catch the uh, the absolute gem from Terry Taylor, his, his stunning uh, commentary at the beginning of this. Is this the one where he, he says, like, the really dumb thing because I... Yeah, it's like, Jimmy V, V for vaccination. Oh, yes. It's like, what... I have written in my notes, like, what What does that even mean? So I, like, I is that to, supposed to be a dig? Like, what? what is that? I have to admit, I had the trouble telling the two announcers apart because they really sounded a lot alike and they did not differentiate themselves with their personalities very well. Well, no, Terry Taylor said a lot more dumb stuff. And that's pretty much how I determined who was saying what. Like, if it was just, like, asinine and stupid, it was probably Taylor saying it. 
the Karsh was just kind of bland, but Karsh was like serviceable. He he was okay. He's better but... than the UWF guy, but not as good as okay. Jimmy Johnson was. Okay, that's yes. Oh, I'll, I'll agree. Whew, I felt bad for Jimmy V watching this because it looks like Hurt just uh, not not like Hurt beat him up, but like Hurt that had to be rough, a rough ass match. And Jimmy him. Jimmy V is like. As far as the jobbers we've seen, Jimmy V is about the lowest rent one we've seen so far. I don't know. I thought the guy that um, that Slaughter worked was actually worse. But I, meant, I meant visually. I think he's the lowest rent one. I think I think it's still the one that Slaughter worked. Yeah, I don't know about. I don't. I don't know. They had some pretty low rent jobbers though, so. Yeah, there's a a smorgasbord to pick from, so it's not like you're lacking for for choices. Yeah. Um, You do kind of want your jobbers to look a little miserable, so he does pull that off well. (laughs) He does. He does. I'm wondering if he needed some sort of spinal adjustment after this. The other thing is, man, I felt bad for Sheik Adnan LKC because he looks older than dirt. On Eight. these shows, you know, I don't know why they dug him up. Other than, I mean, I guess you know he had a name. He'd been in the WWE in the last five years. That's why they got him. I guess so. That's that's what sure what it seemed like. The, you know what? For the longest time, we the 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 group of friends we have has had the running gag of why is name that kind of sounds like his old gimmick name in the Impact Zone. I think that we could just go with why is this name in the AWF ring because they would have gotten hired to be there. And I, I should have written it down, but on the Chiron, the way they spelled L- Adnan LKC made me want to wretch. It was terrible. I don't even think it was even close to like looking like it would sound. And it's not even that hard of a name to like spell. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I should have I should have written that down because it was it was like ew, you guys aren't even trying. I didn't want to write that down. I didn't want to look at it any longer than I had to. So also, I want to point out, like, so we're two matches into this show. They have not talked about the round system or the rules, <laughs> and it has played no like. It hasn't oh, yeah. played into any of the matches so far, and like. Which is fine, like, you you shouldn't always go to round two, but, like, Karsh and Taylor have not talked about the rounds whatsoever. So, like, how, oh, yeah. how are you supposed to, um, how are you supposed to be educating your audience when you don't, like, kind of, like, revisit that in episode two? Like, what if you had a new crap, like, what if you have new people watching this week? They're not even going to know what's going on. Yeah. Oh no, you're you're absolutely right about that. It's it's, it's gone completely out the window. Um, it, it 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 didn't. It had no on any of these matches. It had like no bearing really. No, and and the other thing that bothered me is this: a good wrestling promotion, like when you get in a good groove of a of a of a, of like watching like old footage of a wrestling promotion you kind of get a rhythm like it starts to have like a very um organic feel between episodes and it kind of starts to flow and you get used to it but like 
this this show like as a whole like doesn't build on anything the first show did like even like contradicts it in other ways and mm. and like they don't like a lot of the talent doesn't carry over like other than Tito and it's just like I know you guys shot this in, the, in like probably shot this in one taping why is this so like disjointed from the last episode it's just mm. Yeah, you're right. There's definitely a hard break between the two episodes. It feels like you're watching a first episode again instead of a second episode. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're having bottle episodes. Yeah. Over and over again. So, like, because, like, the first episode wasn't good, but the second episode, I really feel like the cracks and faults of this promotion really came to the forefront. Um, yeah... Because this episode is a fair statement. I think this episode is way worse than episode one, just as as a, as a role. Uh, I would agree. Um, yeah, the, and this match was this, this didn't like this didn't change the. No, Hercules. Hercules definitely is not the worker he was like five years prior. Yeah, although he won this with a power bomb, and it just. Looking back at uh, you know the last episode we did when we were reviewing the Raw, I felt his power bomb was like so much better than Nash's power bomb. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> it was yeah. a good. It was a good power bomb. It reminded me of Mike Awesome's power bomb a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because Awesome would Awesome would put both your legs over one shoulder before he put you down. So then up next we have. Um... But we have another manager debuting, which is Sir Oliver Humperdinck. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the Texas Hangman against uh, Butler Stevens and Mike Brom. I actually thought between the two shows, this was the best match because they worked this like a standard squash match. They did. And I was like really excited to see the Texas Hangman because that's a gimmick that I saw very briefly in the in the limited amount of time I ever watched like the AWA but I remember them back from like the AWA they had at least like a brief stint there I remember when I first started watching WCW like disorderly conduct was doing this gimmick before they like went with disorderly conduct mm-hmm. and it's... it didn't have a different name no they're Texas Hangman okay I actually thought it was funny they popped up though because Shad and I literally had a conversation like two days before we watched this that um he had About never Bull seen Payne. the Texas Hangman, and here they are popping right up. Yeah, for him we, we we had Bull Payne come up in a conversation. Don't ask me how, it just happened. Was, uh, what was Bull Payne's but, other gimmick? Was he like a man mountain? No, that was some fat guy. He was no, like yeah, it, it, I thought it was just Bull Payne, but... Um, man Mountain Rock was uh, was Max Payne. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I'm, Max Payne's... Um, is, is, is Max Payne good, or is he not good? I think Bull Payne's better. Uh, Max Payne actually was, I would say, decent in um, in WCW. He at least had like a a short lived but uh, interesting tag team with Cactus Jack. Uh, Bull Payne worked in ECW '95. Then he went to Big Japan. Then he was on WCW '96. Bull Payne. He was on IWA because he knew Ian. For, he was one of the, like, 
I remember a, a um, shoot interview he did. He's one of the few people that trusted Ian Rotten. That's a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, uh, uh, that. That's, uh, that's I, I know, right? Like he was, he was having a match with someone, and the guy was taping the blade up in his finger tape. And the guy's like, hey, it'll be fine. He's like, I don't want you to do that. And the guy's like, don't worry, it'll be fine. He said, the only guy I trust to do that is Ian. And I'm just like, I paused it there, and I was like, okay. Well, this is what we're going into. Was um was Max Payne the one that had that like awesome match with Foley versus the Nasty Boys in WCW? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I get them confused sometimes because very similar names so the the thing that struck me in this and and we just talked about we just talked about it but in a tag setting rounds are even worse for a tag match setting way worse because you have this look your, your standard your standard tag match formula is you you have you have a face face playing ricky morton and so the heels cut the ring in half they keep whoever the Ricky Morton is, the face in peril, and they just beat the living hell out of him, right? Here's the problem. If you do that in a match that has round breaks, then he does. he's no longer in peril. He gets to get away. He gets to get a breather. He can tag out if he wants to. And there's a reason that that's a standard formula. You do that because it works. It gets people in. But we, gotta ha- we have rounds, except... And here it is in my notes. We're three, yeah, three matches in. I said, if all the matches are ending in the first round, why do we even have them? But we do. I actually felt this was the best match, though, because I felt like they worked this like they would work a standard squash. So this actually felt like actual wrestling. And now, see, this is where I think the UWFI rules would be interesting. Think about, like, so let's say you go with that, the point system there. And you lose a point every time you have a rope break. But think about like in the tag setting, you get some more points. But then if you break a pinup, you lose a point. So then you could come into a situation where you can't save your partner because you're out of points. Like, I think I that could, would work better within the bounds it, of. It would work better. But to me, that's just that's just overcomplicating the I story. Know. I'm just talking, and, I'm just trying to think of like alternate scenarios where you could do your weird gimmicky thing without it. Um, obviously, gunshotting your like shotgun, like the shotgun blast to the face that the round system was for the AWF. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I mean, it's it's really honestly though, it's really easy to scapegoat the round system for the how bad the AWF is. But I think there were a lot of other underlying issues that we've touched on. Kind of like there's really no like they don't they're not really getting the storylines in there. Like this is too um it's too dry. Yeah, well, I was I was gonna say I'm not I'm not gonna say that the the point system is what caused the downfall i'm just saying it sure as hell didn't help no it's it's that easy they gave you that easy thing to latch onto and say that's why it sucks uh, it, it's it's super easy to point at that and go that's a bad idea yeah and and it's not the only bad idea it's not the it's not the only thing by a long shot 
but it is a bad idea. Yeah, so what's up next on... What's up next on... Uh, oh, God. So we just did the text segment. Now, like I said, I yeah. thought... Now the hang- I thought that match... Hangman was, was good. Yeah, that was a good... I thought that was a good... I thought that was a fairly good match. I enjoyed that. They, um... Killer and Psycho are actually kind of underrated. Like, I thought they, um... They were compelling. Um, their masks are cool. Mm-hmm. And I think they... I think I think out of all the stuff I watched, um, person-wise... The one thing I thought was, oh yeah, I want to see them again. Like, so this is the first thing between the two shows where I would have like maybe thought about tuning in again to see someone wrestle. The only thing I would have changed for the Texas Hangman was would be to ditch the uh, the Stan Hansen cosplay they do at the very beginning, because not only are they, yeah, it's Texas Hangman, Sea Gunman, Cowboy Gear. They're doing like the same gestures and shouts and stuff yeah. that Hanson does. And I'm like, look, just just throw – if you want to put dusters on them, that's fine. Put the nooses on them. That's all you got to do. Don't don't stack the gimmicks up that high. You don't have to You know, because that leaves you nowhere to go. Just just you know, just do your thing and, and, and don't overload them. But uh, yeah, they did a good job. I liked their heel tag work. It was – Really good. He, you know, they're doing what you expect heels to do, and so yeah, I like that. It was it was a nice breath of fresh air before we started drowning. Oh yeah, it gets worse after this. Matt, did you oh, have yeah. anything to say about this match? Um... No. Again, I, I was excited to see uh, the Hangmen again because uh, I it had been a year since I actually had seen one of their matches. Um, and I did think this was actually a fairly good. I mean, again, I don't want to oversell it because it was just a squash match, but it was a fairly good. It was like everything you would want in a squash match. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was pretty standard, but that was almost like a breath of fresh air because a lot of these everything on here was almost a squash match. <laughs> except yeah. For like the the if you consider it a main event here, but it, it this was done well, whereas yeah. the other ones it, it just it didn't work for me. Yeah. So yeah, let's, um, that's, let's, that's a good way of putting it. Let's talk about something that didn't work then. Um, Hurricane Smith versus Lightning Rod. <sighs> so uh, this was like this is like a 20 second match, and I'm pretty sure Hurricane Smith like messed up everything he tried to do. <sighs> Who was he? Like I I'd never heard of him before. I had never More heard of sense, him either, like... because I think I, I texted you guys. And I'm like, the one guy that I haven't heard of that they tried to push, and this is the guy they picked. Uh-huh. Because, like, so he, uh... he shoulder blocks the guy, um, really doesn't do anything other than he kind of, like, bumps into him. And then he goes for a big splash, and he just, like, lands on his knees, like, so early, like, it couldn't possibly oh. have hurt. You're you're missing something here, Brad. Well, you, you know what? You guys go ahead. I'll I'll jump in in a minute because I've got to wind up for this. Okay. I mean, and then they did. The worst part is they replayed his awful big splash. Oh, it was so not good. He he was just bad. He, I and I'm I'm trying to look it up. Like I don't I don't even find anything on him. No, he. 
Because, like, I guess he's supposed to be in the tournament and Mr. Hughes injures him in the next episode and takes his place. And I don't even think he, like, appears in the company again after that. There's a good reason for that. Okay. Hurricane Smith. They're pushing him as this big guy. The dude is not trained. He's not He's not trained, like, at all. He's in the ring. He's walking around. He's looking around like he's lost. Lightning Rod jumps on him, and I swear Lightning Rod reminded me of somebody, but I couldn't put my finger on who. I tried so to look Lightning him Rod, up, and I can't. I couldn't find anything on him. All right, fair enough. It's it's we we have the mystery. Lightning Rod jumps on him and does stuff. So Hurricane Smith turns around and just kind of starts walking towards him, doing that stare, walking towards him. It's like, hey. So you're not done training yet, but we got to fill a spot. So the guy's like, well, what am I supposed to do if the guy jumps on me? Well, you're so much bigger than him, so I'm just, I'm just going to walk towards him and, like, stare at him. And he shoots him off, and he does the shoulder block, except his shoulder block is – he doesn't really shoulder block. He just kind of stands there for Rod to, to bump off of him. And then he does a scoop slam and damn near drops lightning rod on his head. Like – and and that that was painful to watch. Lightning Rod was able to kind of roll out of it. And then he does the splash that you guys mentioned, but every time that I or one of you says splash, I'm kind of like gesturing to make quotes. Because he runs, he hops, he doesn't jump, he hops, he lands on his knees, and then just kind of pitches forward. Hurricane Smith was... I'm going to... I'm, he was not trained. He did not know what he was doing. He did not need to be out there. And I'm willing to bet that someone in the back looked at that and went, where did you find this guy? And that's why they had Hughes take him out and you never see him again. Because it was just... Oh. So I, I was just looking. Uh, the only thing I found is that he, I guess, did a lot of or he wrestled for a bit with Windy City Pro Wrestling, which I guess was based in Illinois. That was like Heyman's deal before he ended up in ECW. Uh, I don't know, but Shad, you'd be surprised to know that I'm seeing matches from uh, from Hurricane Smith in uh, 1989. Wow. So for in six years, he in he six years he stayed at that the trainee level. Jeez. It looks like um it looks like he it looks like Lightning Rod did some WWE jobs as um as um Rod Bell. I'm seeing a match with him against Quicksilver in like the early two thousands. Managed by R. D. Reynolds. I wonder if that's the Russell Crap guy. R. D. Reynolds? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Ooh, Lightning Rod versus Dice Man Ronnie Vegas. Rod at least looked like he had an idea of what was going on. Oh, he's you got know? he's got a lot of he's actually got a lot of matches on um TV. I mean on um YouTube. They're older, but and and like some of these, he's actually wrestling some of the other jobbers from this AW AWF thing, like. He's there's one of him wrestling uh, Ronnie Vegas from I think the first show. Okay. Interesting. So 
can we just leave that behind, please? Yes. <laughs> okay. I, I, Matt, send me that thing on Hurricane Smith, Betty, because I'm fascinated by that guy and how bad he was. I'm. I'm just flummoxed how people like that end up on TV. I mean, he was better than um, he was better than the Irish assassin, but maybe only slightly better than Samson. Yeah, <laughs> barely. Barely. And that is the lowest bar I think we could come up with. Because, like, Irish Assassin is the worst by far. Um, but Samson was clearly a little better in that match, and I think he's a little better than Samson, but he's not better than that guy we saw take on um, on um, Bu- Bully Busick in GWF that we hated. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Let's see. So up next we have um, Mr. Hughes versus Bobby Bradley. So again, this is a squash match. Not very good. I think what's notable about this and which was really dumb is Paul Alperstein um, finds him $3,000 for attacking the jobber before the bell. Yeah. So that's that was a, something that was like a theme that ran through like these first two episodes, and it, it was brought up a few times, but I, I don't feel like they really hyped it as much. But they were trying to be like, well, we're we're bringing rules back to pro wrestling. Like, I, I don't understand like the push for that. Again, I I know they're trying to like distinguish themselves from uh, from the other companies, but I don't get the whole commentary that it's like, well, you know, but is he, there's no rules in the other promotions like it's stupid because like smoky mountain wrestling like bob armstrong had like a specific like in smoky mountain wrestling you do like what kind of infractions would draw like what level of fine like you knew what mm-hmm. like you knew if you did this that was a 500 dollars fine you knew if like you did this that was a 1500 dollars fine and then bob yeah. armstrong would come out the next week and say like yeah or after a match be like yeah i'm finding this guy this much money because he did this this and this it was just weird because it's like he so at the beginning of this match like he, mr hughes just like sucker punch the the jobber and after the match, like that's that's what he gives, and, and he and Alperstein presents it like, oh, it's such a big deal. He's like, oh, I'm gonna find you three thousand dollars, and and Mr. Hughes has to act like he's so incensed. Yeah, but it's like at no point did they discuss like what was going on with Nails in the first episode. Like Nails almost <laughs> murdered a man. I like know. he beat a man half to death. <laughs> And it's like, you don't hear, like, oh, Nails has been suspended, Nails has been fined. It's like, all Mr. Hughes does is sucker punch a dude. And Alperstein is like, here, we have rules. Like, the match doesn't start until the bell rings. I'm going to fine you $3,000. It's like, what? This is like, you're not even being logically consistent on your second show, like, with it's enforcing these weird, arbitrary rules. I know, yeah. it's terrible. Yep. That I didn't even know. I just knew that Hughes got fined. I didn't even have an idea of why he got fined until you guys brought it up. And I'm like, wow, that's 
dumb. It's like the only method of punishment that they figured out. I had to go back and actually the... see what it was because it was like such a non-event that they made a big deal out of that I had actually forgotten that he like sucker punched him before the match. Um, yeah. By the time the, the fine part happened. Yeah. I... I... It it's so far separate. You they do all these drop in interviews. They could have just done that and been like, for what he just did, he's going to be fine this amount or something. But no, and we you didn't. Have, we didn't you have that. like Sheik Adnan, LKC, and Oliver Humperdinck running around. Why are you letting Mister Hughes talk? <laughs> I've I've never liked Mister Hughes, so uh, this was. He's always like he's always come across to me like uh like a second rate rate big Bubba Rogers ripoff. Yeah. Yeah. This the the hat, uh, the tie, you know the I'm suspenders. Gonna, I'm, I'm gonna the... take that back. I'm being really unfair because second rate saying like there's some like some um qualities that are good to it, so I'm gonna say he's a third rate big Bubba Rogers ripoff. How about how about we just say he's a Big Bubba Rogers ripoff? Okay, I'm fine with that. Big Bubba <laughs> let Rogers that, let cosplay. That lie. He was <laughs> he was pretty limited. Um, I did think that that he he was used. They had the cons at points in time of his career, like people had the the concept to use him correctly. It's just like a a bodyguard or as an, as an enforcer, like Heyman did that yeah, he... decently, I guess in ECW. Um, was he, was Heyman, did Heyman have the book in early nineties WCW in any way? Because I don't think so. Cause Hughes kind of started, or at least when he became like really nat, like kind of guess nationally known, he start he was like the, the bodyguard for Lex Luger in early 90, early nineties WCW. I feel like that was kind of like his style. Do you guys I remember, remember, oh, I remember him being brought back as the bodyguard for Chris Jericho and then stiffing Ken Shamrock in the side of the head so bad that it re-aggravated Shamrock's neck injury. Yeah, oh, when he was, gosh, Gracie. Uh, well, in the in the WWF, you remember the they did that bit where Jericho's taunting Shamrock inside yeah. the shark cage mm-hmm. and, he, and Shamrock gets the bat and just starts wailing on the cage. Hughes shows up, knocks him down, and then kicks him in the side of the head. And that's why we didn't see Ken Shamrock anymore, is because Hughes re-aggravated his old neck injury. Yeah. Wow. And it's and it's How long was Hughes around for that run? He wasn't there long, was he? No. He wasn't there long. The weird thing about that, uh, was that when he showed up again as like uh, Jericho's bodyguard, he was like half the size that he used to be back in the heyday, because he had lost like a ton of weight. Which I'm sure it was healthier for him, but that it was just weird because it's like he's present, he's supposed to be coming in as just like enforcer, and it's like, dude, you look, you're the same size as everyone else. You know, people, if not yeah. smaller than some yeah. dudes. People really forget too how much, um, like that first six months of of Jericho and WWF, people forget how badly they like botched him at first. Yeah, they didn't know what to do with him. Well, you could say that it. it probably most of his point, like the earlier part of his career there. And yeah. like he got that monster pop the first time he came out. Yeah. Oh, no, I think so what happened big. is they got mad at him 
for something he said at Taker that they told him to say. And then he got, like, thrown under the bus because someone got mad about it or something. Mm, I don't remember anything about that. We should probably, like, have this discussion at a later time. Um, mm-hmm. I, we, you know, we it's been talked about on the podcast before. I know that, um, Brad, I know that you actually kind of discussed it with, uh, is it your cousin when you guys did... Uh, Heat Wave 98. You talked about Jericho. Um, we, I, I actually do feel like there's a, there's a good discussion to be made that Jericho has kind of edged up as like one of the, one of the greatest of all time. I I'm not say. saying he's like top 10, but he's, he's in the discussion just because he is almost 50 years old and he has continuously reinvented himself and at pretty much every iteration of Jericho, there are, good to if not like great or outstanding things he's done i would say Mm -hmm. i would say that he has proven himself to be a surefire hall of famer because he has been the cornerstone of an upstart promotion that's actually been successful and drawn Mm -hmm. like i think i think he's like because he really i feel like in wwe he had really gotten played out and he was really annoying but he um once he kind of got cut loose and he started doing New Japan and stuff, he's really kind of, he's really changed my perception of him in like the last three years. Yeah, um, it, because prior to that, was he doing much other than touring with Fozzie? He just did. Before he started doing the Japan stuff? Yeah, he was still, I mean, he had that Kevin Owens, like, the list thing in WWE. Oh, that's right. That's terrible. right. I thought the list was fine. I thought the list was fine. I thought, and at times it was actually very entertaining. It's just like most everything, they kind of, they kind of drove it right into the ground. Yeah. And they did. And they that was done... that was a few years ago, back when their booking was even was better. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, they could have gotten so much more mileage out of Jericho versus Owens after like Owens turned on him. Yeah, they blew it off real fast, which is odd. They drag everything else out, but they blew that off so quickly. But uh, one thing I did want to say before we move to the next match is Bobby Bradley. This is the the return, jobber return we saw in this. Bradley bumped really well for Hughes in this, so Bradley seemed to be a guy that, that had some... Could have had some possibilities. He seemed like a legitimate pro wrestler, and I, I think he could have. They could have done a little more with him. Yeah. So, now I know. Now I know. Um, I don't know about you guys, but when I think about some early '90s pissant promotion trying to make it, I always expect to see Bob Orton Jr. there, and I was not <laughs> let down. I was angered at this match. I was angered. Because I wanted to know where the cast was. Because I didn't think his arm had healed yet, and he didn't have the cast with him. That's only a WWF thing. Yeah. And this was actually not terrible. Like, I don't... Whatever it is, Bob Orton's... Bob Orton is a horse, so he's always there for the paycheck. But he always gives you, like, everything he's got for that paycheck. I just don't think uh, 1995 is, like, the place to be, like, pushing Bob Orton Jr. as, like, your, no. your top guy. 
he looked old. He looked even this. older than the UWF show we we saw that was just a year yeah. earlier. Yeah, he looked old here. So, now well, he would have been he would have been about forty five in this, which is like okay. wow. I'm surprised he was even that young. Yeah. He'd probably been like 20 years into his career at this point. No, he'd been way further than that because I think he started young. He's another mm-hmm. guy. Bob Orton Jr. is another guy that I think gets uh, highly underrated because people know him as like the WWF Bob Orton that's nowhere near as, as fun or awesome. Yeah, that's fair. I. They did uh, one other thing in this is they they spent a lot of time at the beginning doing a bunch of amateur wrestling spots, which I'm never a fan of. Um, but that that's probably like me doing uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu as I look at it. I'm like, oh, just just grab that or something, you know. For some reason, it always just kind of if they go on for it for too long, then I I start tuning out. Yeah. But I know that's a that's a me thing. And then there was also on this show, before we get to the main event, there was a promo with Sir Oliver Humperdinck backstage that pretty much said, fuck all. Um, I don't really remember what he said. <laughs> and then there was there was another promo that I don't remember. Oh, Warlord. Warlord's yes. talking about how he's going to team up with Nails. Yeah. And um, yeah. that was not a good what, promo. In, no, it was not a good promo. And again... If Nails tried to murder the poor guy last week, why is he why is he on the show again? Why bother even finding him? Just don't bring him back, right? Now why but no, was, there he is. Why wasn't he there with his power friend? Could he not afford cab fare to <laughs> Chicago? <laughs> well, would you want to pick up a guy that looked like that in a prison jumpsuit? No. 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 I wouldn't either. I couldn't remember where the Warlord promo was, but again, when I yeah, think about means. when I think about a round system, you know, where you kind of have to like be quick, I I I think about Warlord, and there's also <laughs> this also is showing like a problem they have with roster construction. So you have Warlord, Hercules, Mister Hughes, and Nails, yeah, Nails and Hurricane Smith. Like that's all like the same type of wrestler, like. You only need like one or two big guys. You don't need five of them. Yeah. Especially in a promotion where you're doing a style that kind of demands like technical expertise and like building on holds and like wearing guys down over the course of like numerous rounds. And you bring in a bunch of like guys that don't work, that work a power style that's not going to work in a round system. So. Or if we aren't being charitable, some guys that work that spend a lot of time working like um, like slow moving stiffs. Yes, and it's just it's just not gonna. It doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. No. Oh, and Orton cut a promo that was okay. Meh. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, the Orton the Orton thing was 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 terribly inoffensive like it it existed and it was fine um but you know it's orton and he he puts in a good day's work for you so so 
So now we get I think, to... I think I just have a, a gut reaction to hearing the name of Orton now. I think uh, that's where I'm at. <laughs> so we get to our main event. This is Chris Adams versus Ron Powers. Um, so this went on forever. This, I don't understand why they gave this like 15 minutes. No, because Ron Powers was like, they're using him like a jobber. And they trained us to think these are all squash matches. And it's like, why can't Chris Adams, the guy you hyped is like the master of the system, like can't beat this. Just got the tar beaten out of him. And I don't like, okay, so Ron Power, out of all of the, the people in the jobber slot we've seen, I thought he did the best job. Well, funny, like, funny. Matt and I looked him up, and he wrestled until a couple years ago, and had like some New Japan runs. So the guy had had he had, had some skill. He had something, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, early on in the match, he takes a bump over the top to the outside with some gusto too. So you know, it's like, wow, okay, there's something to see in this guy. But like you said, if Chris Adams is a master of this style of wrestling. Why did I mean what did they they go back and invest in power later? Probably think, not. I don't but. think I saw him winning any matches. So I I, I I'm just I'm so confused by this this whole thing because it it just makes no sense. But. Here, here we are, and then the the other thing that just just got me entirely is Adams wins at the end. There's no comeback. There's no build. Just kick win. Just just super kick pin. And you know, okay, Shawn Michaels has been able to get that to work, sure, but that's that's not what Chris Adams has been hyped as and presented as here. And all of a sudden here, here we go. It's like, he's not even entirely in shot when he does the super kick. No, like I so, kind of, it was weird because like, I felt like I blinked and missed it after this like long laborious match. Yeah. Pretty much. So I'm, I don't, like power did a did a he did a fine job, but it did it didn't fit with everything we've been told up to this point. No, but see, like, so this is what I'm talking about. So why didn't you? So let's let's book this like we're not idiots, okay? Let's book book this like we're not the AWF or Paul Alperstein. So so let's let's go back to week one real quick. So all right, we we have you have Coco Beware getting interviewed after his match. Greg Valentine comes and messes with him a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So they said. So they 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 challenge each other for a match this week. So then you allot that time to Greg Valentine versus Coco Beware in like a one week grudge match. Um. And so you take that super kick out of nowhere, and you have, you have Coco flash pin Greg, get the win. Greg beats him up. To end the show. Um. There you have a feud. That's that's connected yeah. your two weeks of TV. You used that time better for something that would have made more sense there. And, um, yeah. 
I mean, you know, it's Greg Valentine and Coco Beware, so I don't know who wants to see that in 1995, but it's better than what we got. Yeah. And at least it gives you a little... And at least it gives you a little bit of meat to, like, grab onto, because, like, that's where... That's the problem I, I had with these two shows, is I watched two shows. I feel like if you watch two TV shows from a promotion, you should have, like basic grasp of the feuds like the characters kind of like the vibe of the promotion and like mm-hmm. with the AWF I don't feel like I came away with anything like they just threw a bunch of guys at me who I know from other promotions like I don't really know who hates who who's like who's got um who's like what motivates who like i just have a bunch of names like like why why is michael hayes here like i know exactly what this feels like to me it's like the first time you start playing ewr and you just kind of grab for whoever's free that's a recognizable name to put on your show to get your attendance up but you're not sure what you're doing and you don't want to kill anybody's heat so you just have them fight jobbers for like the first six shows while you're trying to learn what the system is yeah that's exactly what this feels like and then when you kind of mature as a booker you don't do that you're kind of like well like no i'm just gonna sign like who do i want this is gonna actually like fit the identity of like my promotion like like before like you'd be like oh well i'm gonna sign you know aj styles because he has a 97 technical and then you kind of mature and you're like well no i'm gonna take aj styles because like, I need a top star, and I need someone that can do this and this. But, hey, I'm also going to take, like, I'm also going to take, like, well, he's not good anymore, but I'm going to take Matt Hardy because I want someone to do, like, good promos for me, and, like, I like the character. And, like, yeah. he ha- you know, like, you start picking guys for, like, different reasons after that. Yeah. Can we get Adam Rowland on the phone and see when the EWR thing started? Because I think we might have found the genesis for it. I think <laughs> I think the first time I played like well it wasn't EWR it was the precursor it that was oh, what was that called I don't remember what the precursor was called but I played that in like 2001 I think because there used to be like promotion wars too but that one never that one was popular then he was gonna do a sequel game and then like never actually did the sequel game and then it just became all EWR. Because it came out and it was, like, awesome. And he did, like, really great quality of life updates with that. And then he did the paid version, which is Total Extreme Warfare, which is super great. But I don't play because, like, it is so, like, detailed. Like, down to match times. And, like, the match times should correlate to, like, their card placement and all that stuff. And, like, promotions need, like, to be booked certain ways because they have a certain personality, like... It's awesome, but it's way too detailed for me to, like, actually work with. To me, EWR is honestly just a little bit too detailed for a game I'm just going to sit down and and have some fun with. Um, If if it was to be throttled back just a little bit, um, then I would have had a lot more fun with it and played it longer. Uh, Uh, um, EWR is about perfect for me. And complexity. Yeah, I, I just wanted to dial it down. Just maybe if there was an option to turn some stuff off, that might be nice. But 
Yeah. So. Hey, Chad. Yes, sir. Uh, in EWR, you can actually, if you really want to get into it, you can like actually go into the settings and like manipulate some stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. So you okay. can you can actually make the game more difficult or easier for yourself if you well, want there's, to. Well, there's there's also huh. there's also like a cheat program you can get for it where you can just like give yourself like a crap load of money if you need it. I huh. think I've actually maybe used that at points. Because hmm. the game is obviously supposed to be challenging, but there are times where I've wanted to run it just mostly as like a sim. Yeah. So it, that sometimes it doesn't get fun if you're like trying to just run a sim and you know the the matches you want to see simmed like do nothing. Or you get or you sign that guy you really want and he either like gets sent to gets rehab, injured immediately. Yeah, or gets sent to rehab or you know. <laughs> I've had like I've had a guy like I signed before get like just hurt for two years before and you're just like oh great. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, yeah, man, I put a whole bunch into this guy to get him over here. And I was like, oh, no. Guy that doesn't have a documented drug program is is in rehab for a year and a half. In TEW, they can have career ending injuries. So. Oh, okay. Now now he does, he also does, his company also does, um, I think it's WMMA, and it goes by years. That's amazing because that's like a. It has like the same fictional setting that um, the TEWs does, but that's an MMA one, and that one's okay. amazing. Hmm. Because then you get like all the fun, like you get a set. Because that one you can like book out ahead. So if you just do like one show a month, like you you know you scout guys and stuff, and that has like less going on. But that I love that one. Because then you like and and it does really well at simming guys like. That, you know, because it's, it's early 2000s MMA, so, like, you have, like, the middleweight, like, champion that's really hard to beat, and he just, like, he keeps, like, you know, doing takedowns on guys, and he just lays and prays the whole time. Like, it, it, does, oh. it does, like, a really good job. And, like, there's, like, a heavyweight guy that starts as your champion if you're doing, like, the T, the, the, the UFC, like, analog. And, like, if, if he has the belt, like, he's super awesome. So, like, you can get, like, if you get, like, a good run out of him, but if he loses the belt, like, he can't quite get back there because he loses those, like, champion bonuses. Oh, okay. It's, it's just a fun little sim thing. More fun than um the AWF. <laughs> but but I, think, I think that's what my biggest problem with the AWF is, like, it obviously had some money into it, and I think they were, like... I think they 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 meant well, but the problem I have with these two episodes is I came away from it like I don't feel like I understand the promotion or it's like, or it's like personality and like looking at the results for like the first thirty episodes I don't feel like that ever really develops from what I saw, and like there's just nothing like, there's nothing you can grab onto. It's I, I was. I have this phrase, but I don't think it's quite on point. As I was going to say, it's not boring, but it's not engaging. But I don't think that's entirely accurate. I was going to say, it's not always boring, but it's certainly not engaging. Um, I, would, yeah, there, I would agree with that. There's nothing, there's, there's nothing to bring you back. Uh, unless you just want to watch all the wrestling all the time. And that's... At least for the the time in my life when that was a thing, that was exhausting. And I had the benefit of being in high school and a nerd at the time. <laughs> yeah, 
I don't even know if like when I was super into wrestling how much I would have like when I was 16 and I was like digesting every ounce of wrestling I could get even like the local indie promotion that had like a show on the cable access channel that I would watch. Yeah. I don't know how much this would have stuck with me even back then. I'm in the same boat as you. Like there was uh, at one point, like when I was you know, really getting into wrestling, like I, I watched everything I could. I devoured everything, but uh, I don't, I don't think I would have really stuck with this just because I, I if I'm going to watch like just a, a show full of jobber matches, I would at least rather do like, you know, like back in the day, like superstars or something like that. Primetime wrestling. Yeah. Where I mean, but even then, like you would get like that or WCW Saturday night, you get a lot of jobber matches, but they would show like one or two actual matches with, you know, star versus star. And uh, there's none of that here. I mean, I guess eventually they do. But at least, but at least with WCW though, you're getting like Ric Flair talking or like Hogan talking or, you know, yeah. even like Kevin Sullivan or like stuff like you know. There was at least things going on between the bells that were better and more compelling. It, you had you had better personalities. And you would see someone do something rather cool uh, at least once in a show. Because if you're going to have a squash match, you might as well be able to show off, right? Yeah. But so let's, we didn't get that. Uh, so let's um, – let's, um, so, so this is kind of part of what we, we, what we had started earlier in the summer, which is kind of our also-rans of the 90s. So this is our third promotion for that. So we, we did the, the GWF and we did the UWF. So against against the GWF and UWF, I would say this was better than the UWF, but nowhere near as good as the GWF. Like not nowhere, not even within like the stratosphere of what the GWF was. Yeah, I would agree. I would hand sound agree. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, uh, I'm with you. Because like the UWF is just bad. This, the problem with this is this wasn't necessarily bad. Like it was kind of bad, but it was more like boring than bad. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like I feel like I feel like what what upsets me with this, and I I kind I've kind of said it repeatedly is. They obviously put money into it because the production's so nice and like they they obviously spent money on talent but they needed someone like that was like a wrestling mind to go like no that's stupid like no you want these guys you don't want those guys like they needed someone to do that instead of just cashing the checks from Paul Alberstein. Yeah. See, it highlights. It's gonna. Uh, it's gonna have contemporary t- crossover. The money mark trying to to run the dream highlights part of what has been so good about AEW in that Tony Khan not only has the money, but he knows what he's doing. Yeah, that, it's a really good co- contrast of um, where they've kind of like had their issues and like it's been tony that's like tended to rein them back in yeah like when he started to consolidate the creative because what they were doing wasn't working early on it was just too spread out and he's like no 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 let's not do that 
And then, um, but you compare that to Albert Steen and Herb Abrams, <laughs> and it's like, okay, we. I mean, that might be a little bit extreme, but it's it's pretty sure how. Uh, <clears throat> um, it's it's pretty clear dichotomy of what we're looking at. Now, now I will say I think this is better than the UWF. But if you said like, hey, um, would you rather watch the entire TV run of the AWF or the entire TV run of the UWF? I would probably pick the UWF because at least like there's stuff you can laugh at with the UWF, whereas I expect the AWF to be kind of dull and just filling space for the entire time whereas the uwf's just going to be downright terrible and incomprehensible um if you is do we gain anything out of this challenge of having to watch one or the other Um, or are we being forced to well like gun to our head you're gonna have to watch all of this here in the next over the course of the next week you've got to watch all this or i'm going to shoot you I mean, technically you'd get to live. I don't know how many brain cells would survive or, you know, what life post um, 46 to 50, 46 to 60 hours of UWF uh, content would look like. My, my answer would just be whichever one's shorter in I mean, that case. I mean, technically... Just so I can be done with it. Technically, if you... I wonder if you watched, like, just Marathon watched it without sleeping, all of the UWF TV, if you would go on a coke bender and chase, like, strippers with a baseball bat and die naked in cowboy boots covered in baby oil. Or if we're going to get even further out there, maybe it got... Maybe we you get so far into the, the dementia that UWF would start to make sense. No, you turn into Vince Russo, that's what would happen. Okay, screw it. I'm not watching it. Hey, have, have, I'm, I'm doing AWA. I'm doing AWF. Then it doesn't. No. Have you? Nope, have you nope, and your? Nope, 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 nope. Have you and your wife gotten to the Herb Abrams uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode yet? We we did, and she was mystified by just how crazy pants it was. Well, that that one's a nice breather episode because you get all that dark stuff, and the Herb Abrams one is kind of. Um... Kind oh, of... it's it's goofy in its just sheer insanity. I felt bad for Steve Ray though. Yeah, but yeah, I, I was just wondering because I, I I was eagerly awaiting for that just because I knew that one was gonna be so like crazy. Well, my wife turned and looked at me and she goes, "So you guys reviewed a show of this?" And I went, "Yeah." <laughs> she goes, "How was it?" I said, "How do you think it was?" She goes. She goes, was it entertaining? And I said, what are you entertained by? I don't know. I feel like I feel like that that show was like a landmark of this podcast, though, because everything tends to come back to that show to be compared against it, especially if something's really bad. Like we always kind of tend to go back to the UWF and be like, "Okay, now, is it this bad or is it like? I, that's fair enough. We we found the bottom of the barrel, and so the question is, how far shy of the bottom of the barrel are we all the time? Because I still swear, I, I I swear that that Irish assassin versus Samson match is the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, it is. It, yeah. to, to me, yeah. it's still like the gold standard for it's it's incomparable, like incomparably bad. Yeah, I would agree with that. I am. Um, 
as a former worker, I sit here and I am simultaneously outraged, insulted, and offended that that got on a TV show, on a pay-per-view. And I never, and it, you know, uh, I, you know, because I know I could look at that and do, I, I, I could have a better match with a couch than that. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you could throw Matt and I in a ring and we could, like, just from having watched wrestling, we could have, like, put something slight not i'm not saying matt and i would do something good i'm saying we could do better than that because one of us might bump at some point mm-hmm. yeah it, it's just watching that and i'm like you could i could this better never happen again also i'm pretty yeah. sure I, I you know how i why i think matt and i could do better than that because matt and i could at least lock up into a, and go into a headlock and then do like, you know, the other guy back one of us into the ropes and probably at least do the rope thing terribly, but end with one of us like taking a bump. And I'm pretty sure that would put us over that match. Just being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Because there'd be skill involved. God, I'm... St- the fact that the, that we bring that match back up just it just pisses me off all over again. It makes me a little bit sick. It's it's just that 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 match scarred me for life. It's it makes me want to throw things. Yeah, you know, there's there's a there's a there's another um, UWF pay per no. view. No, 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 no. I don't think I can take that right now. No, that one's that one's actually supposed to be like not good, but not that bad. Hold on. I need a palate cleanser or something. I need. Some... Hold on. Let me let me look up the card real quick, and let's see if I can entice you. Okay, this is. Let's see results. Um, Boris Zukov versus Samson. That's a dark match, though, so we'd not see that. Um, the Blackhearts versus Firecat and Jim Cooper. Firecats, I think, um, Brady Boone. So that was probably okay. Um, Terry Gordy versus Johnny Ace. That was probably decent. Uh, Killer Bees versus the Power Twins. Um, Rockin' Robin versus Candy Divine. Or Candy Devian, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, Colonel De Beers versus Paul Orndorff in a strap match. Um, Ivan Koloff versus Bob Backlund. Um, Cactus Jack and Bob Orton Jr. versus Steve Ray and Sunny Beach. And Bam Bam Bigelow versus uh, Steve Williams. Only one of these matches goes longer than 10 minutes, just FYI. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I have it in me for a while. I need. I. I need to. I need to heal a little bit before we get. But there, we go there back is no that. nails on the on the show. Unless you're leaving something out. No, I. I, I that I that is that is always going to be a question from like now on. Is it's going to be like now, Brad? Is there a nails match on this? I'll just sneak him in as like um, as Kevin Kelly, and you won't be aware. Or. Or you're going to pull the ultimate coup de gras, and it's going to be like, oh, no, 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 there's no nails on this. 
I just managed to find the second, the only other Irish assassin match that was ever recorded. I'll sneak him in as, <laughs> as Thor in world class. I'm looking at his career. Just, please don't. Uh, guys, is there anything else we want to say about AWS? No, I just... I don't know, like, it was just... I've never seen a promotion just so there before. Like, it's like a sloth. It just exists. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or like a koala bear. Like it just sleeps 23 hours a day. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Like there was like, even like, like obviously we filled two episodes talking about it, but like, I just like, it's bad, but like, it's not bad in like an interesting way. Like it's bad through bad, like choices and like mismanagement and not knowing the wrestling business well enough to get like the right talent. Like that's what the AWF's problem was. Huh. Yeah. You know what would have been awesome if they could have gotten Doctor Death to do the round system though? Like I bet he could have made it work. Yeah, probably. But I mean Doctor Death is um I've my my I've always thought he was a good worker, but I and I don't know what the last couple years has changed, but like he's really gone up in my um estimation like the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. We should do a highlight episode on him once. Do some of his All Japan stuff. Oh, absolutely. I'd be down for that. Okay. Get some of them triple crown matches. <laughs> but that's that's all I got. Well, Matt, what about you? Yeah, I would actually... I would echo Brad's sentiments. It was just... it. This had such good production value, so you would hope that it would be something, and it's just... It just wasn't. Uh, maybe if we stuck through with some of the other episodes, we'd see we'd see better stuff. But this just it this wasn't working for me. Yeah, uh, it 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 was not. Um, no, it didn't work. So there's no meat on the bones. I think is the problem. I think that's one way of putting it. So, okay. Well, guy, everybody, that's been um, part two, episode two of the AWF. Uh, well, if you, if you got the gumption to sit through it, that's on YouTube, too. So we would love to hear from you guys. You think, you think we're right? You think we're wrong? Is there something that we missed? We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on social media. And this is Shad here with... Um, Matt and Brad, we've been in three quarters, you're in the fourth, and we will see you next time.